The New York Giants have an exciting rookie class, and I'm going to give you five players and the first-year expectations for those players on today's Locked On Giants podcast that's coming your way next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Traina. Happy Friday to everybody. We made it through the end of another week. We're that much closer to training camp, to kickoff, and it's an exciting time for the New York Giants as they continue with their OTAs. And uh, there's another week or so of OTAs, and then we get into the mandatory mini camp that's coming up and then everybody goes off on vacation for about six weeks or so before the start of training camp and for training camp by the way uh, my understanding is the rookies and select players will be reporting on July 25th with the rest of the team reporting a couple days later so anyway on today's Locked on Giants podcast speaking of rookies we're going to talk about year one expectations And I didn't do the entire rookie class, but what I did do is I picked out some of the draft picks and I also mixed in an undrafted free agent or two in my list. So I have five names I'm going to give you and I'm going to state what I think the expectations are for these players, how they can potentially help the team. And we'll just see what these young men have in store for the New York Giants, how they how they will fit in and help the team. So that is today's agenda. Thank you, as always, everybody, for making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And a special shout out to my everydayers, as well as to my new people and everybody in between. Love you guys all. Appreciate you. Let's get started with today's podcast. All right. Up first, I'm going to do the draft picks and got to start with cornerback Deontay Banks, the first round draft pick of the New York Giants in 2023. So if you checked out my OTA report, you saw that Banks moved into the uh, cornerback two spot opposite of Adoree Jackson during OTA number five. Now in OTA number three, which was the last or actually the first OTA this year that the media was allowed in, um, Banks was actually working with the twos. He wasn't working with the starters. He has moved into the the first string team, which you kind of expecting, you know, first round pick. You don't want him sitting on the bench. So Banks moving um, into that starting outside spot, that's where obviously the team wants him to compete. So that being said, what are the expectations for Deontay Banks? Here's the list that I put together. In addition to starting and, you know, being a guy who could potentially play 100% of the snaps on, you know, every week. I think the Giants would probably like to see Banks make some impact plays in terms of interceptions. Now, last year, this is an amazing stat, but only one cornerback came up with an interception all last year. That is just unheard of. And that one cornerback, by the way, Rodarius Williams, is a guy who I don't even think makes the roster this year. That is just a mind-blowing stat, you know. Adoree Jackson, I think, had, uh, I want to say, two interceptions before, you know, the injuries. Just not a lot of interceptions 
by the Giants cornerbacks. And that needs to change. You know, uh, yeah, pass breakups are nice and everything, but flipping the field and giving the offense a shorter field, that would be great. Now, here's the thing with Deontay Banks. He wasn't really an interception machine in college. He only had two interceptions at the University of Maryland. So I'm going to be curious to see if there is a way that the coaches can maybe scheme him to get more interceptions. Matter of fact, that might be a question I think I'll put to the coaches if that that is possible, if it's just a matter of, you know, being in the right place at the right time, or can the scheme help lead to more interceptions? So I'll put that in my notebook as a question to ask next time we're in the building. Um, What else do we want to see from Deontay Banks? Well, as I mentioned, he's likely going to team with Adoree Jackson as the starters on the outside. And um, look, that back end of the defense, how many times last year, and, and it wasn't, you know, this was a result, obviously, of injuries forcing the team to, to go down the depth chart and whatnot. But how many times did we see the Giants back into the defense not hold their coverage? All right. So if they are not holding their coverage long enough and they're allowing opposing quarterbacks to get rid of the ball, that has an, an adverse effect on the pass rush, which is trying to get to the quarterback. You know, I always say that the front end and the back end of the defense work together when it comes to the pass rush. So think back to all the times the Giants had near sacks, you know, where it looked like they didn't quite finish. That was because in a lot of cases, the back end of the defense just wasn't holding up their end of the bargain. So I would hope that Banks, along with Adoree Jackson, obviously, would do a better job of that this year. Hold on to that coverage with man-to-man coverage, man press, and give the guys up front a chance to wear down their opponents and get to the quarterback. This next item for Deontay Banks is also important, and it's not something that's talked about very often, but it needs to be mentioned. Run defense. We all know how last year the Giants' run defense was just a disaster. It just wasn't very good. Now, you're probably saying, well, that's the fault of the front seven. Well, yeah, but the cornerbacks also have to provide run support, especially if a run gets to the second level. And they really didn't do a good job of that, you know, when that was happening. You know, we know the story about the linebackers and how they struggled. It should be better, obviously, but I'd like to see Banks contribute also in run support. At the University of Maryland, in 686 run defense snaps over his career, the kid had 16 career stops and only nine missed tackles. Not too bad. So he can definitely play run defense if called upon. He's a solid tackler, doesn't miss very many tackles. Like I said, Um, the Giants need that. They need all the support they can get for that run defense, which last year just wasn't very good. So those are the expectations for Deontay Banks. Now let's go to draft pick number two, which is the second round draft pick, center John Michael Schmitz. All right, the expectations for Schmitz, I would say pretty straightforward. Number one, win the starting center job. Now, again, I'm going to go back to my report from yesterday in which I I let you guys know that Schmitz was working mainly with the starting offense, the first string offense, whereas in OTA number three, 
Ben Bredesen was getting some of those stamps. So the Giants, you know, nothing is set. You know, jobs aren't won or lost right now in the springtime. But I'd like to think that this means that John Michael Schmitz is uh, ahead of schedule in terms of his learning curve. And if he is, that's what you want to see, obviously. You want him starting on day one. You want Daniel Jones to start getting used to having the same center, you know, week in, week out, and not only week in and week out, but over the next several years, because this revolving center door just has to stop. All right. Some other things for John Michael Schmitz. Last year, the Giants' interior offensive line was not very uh, stout when it came to pass protections. There were far too many pressures coming up the gut. Now, I don't know if that was a result of line calls. I think it was more of a result of guys just not anchoring and not, you know, getting a piece of their man. So I'd like to see, you know, the leaks that were sprung up the middle of the offensive line stop. And with John Michael Schmitz um, at the University of Minnesota, he allowed just 21 quarterback pressures at 991 pass blocking snaps and just two sacks. Not too bad. By comparison, John uh, Feliciano, the starting center last year, 25 uh, quarterback pressures and four sacks. So again, key things, making the correct line calls um, and just orchestrating things, working in tandem on double team blocks, solo blocks when when you have a guy lining up over you on, on the nose, just keeping the middle part of, of the uh, pocket clean, which the Giants did not do a very good job of. Another thing I want to mention regarding John Michael Schmitz, um, much has been made about the dead ball snap and how Daniel Jones is okay with it and they're going to experiment with it and potentially use it in the regular season. Schmitz is pretty good at that, having ex- executed it um, at Minnesota. And there's actually an advantage to using the dead ball snap. And that advantage is that it's a little quicker in getting the ball into the quarterback's hands. Now, you might not notice it on tape, but that split second that they gain can help expedite things, you know, or allow for Daniel to drop back and get the ball into the hands of the receivers that much quicker before the defense has a chance to react. So if they can... Um, Get John Michael Schmitz in there. He, If they stick with the dead ball snap, that's going to be important. The dead ball snap, as long as it's accurate, it's quicker, it's cleaner, and it will allow the, the offense to fire on all cylinders a little bit faster than a traditional snap that you would see from a center. All right, coming up next, I've got Jalen Hyatt and Eric Gray I want to talk about, so don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, get in on all the sports action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if their first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. FanDuel offers great promotions, a safe and secure app to set your bets, and instant payouts. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's 
Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, and uh, we are just rolling right along. We're going to continue with five days week coverage next week. Um, I'm actually going to do, uh, amongst the topics that I have, I'm going to take a look at year two players and what the expectations are. And then I'm going to do another show, year three plus players and their expectations. So it's a little series that I'm doing here, but I hope you enjoy it. And as always, if you have thoughts about, you know, what your expectations are for the players that I mentioned, drop them in the comment box. If you're watching on YouTube or send me an email. Also next week, the Giants have another OTA that's going to be open to the media. That will be on Thursday. So I will be there. I will have a show for you um, as soon as I can after I get back from that OTA. So we're just continuing our coverage of the New York Giants spring football. And I hope you're enjoying it. I know I am. I'm having a great old time, you know, watching how this team is experimenting with different looks and personnel packages. And I'm trying to bring you all those details as well as some other cool stuff to uh, satisfy your need for Giants news and stuff. So thank you again for tuning in. Let's get back to the program here. I want to talk about two other draft picks. I'm not doing the entire draft class. I'm just doing like the guys that I think are going to really step up and and have a role, um, a significant role. Um, So next up on my list is wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. Now, Jalen Hyatt's an interesting guy. Um, In Tennessee, he was primarily a slot receiver, um, a yards after the catch specialist. Um, Also a guy who the bulk of his um, receptions were in the short range. So it was basically get the ball in his hands and let him take off. So 99, I'm sorry, 93.3% catch rate um, last year alone on passes between zero and nine yards. And he averaged 8.9 yards after the catch on those with zero drops. Hyatt, of course, you know, in addition to, you know, running those short routes and, you know, picking up yards after the catch, he's got enough speed to break open deep down the field. Just imagine the speed that this kid brings and whether, you know, he can actually get behind some of these defenders. So I'm, pretty excited about what this kid could bring. I don't think he's just going to be a short yardage type of specialist. I think he's going to be someone who they can uh, call upon if they want to stretch the field down the, you know, stretch the field and, and try the deep ball. And again, I've been talking about it for the last two OTA reports. The giants are throwing deep a lot more. Now I know what you're thinking and I agree um, what we see in the spring doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make it into the playbook come the summertime. Right now is the time for the coaches to experiment, but they're doing a lot of experimentation. And look, I think we can all agree that this team, which finished last in the NFL in deep pass plays of 20 plus yards, they had 28, by the way, they need more explosive plays. Jalen Hyatt can bring that to the offense. So it's not just going to be a Paris Campbell Darren Waller, Darius Slayton, you know, running those deep patterns. They're going to put multiple guys on the field and good luck to posting defenses in trying to figure out who you're going to double, who you're going to single, who you're going to bump and just how you're going to play it. Because 
Now the Giants have some options, which they haven't had in quite a long time. So Jalen Hyatt can bring that to this team. And you know what? This is a young man who's really learning, picking up the playbook rapidly. I, I spoke to someone yesterday about Hyatt. I said, you know, how's he coming along in the classroom? And I was told that he is smart, you know, that this offense that the Giants run, it's not easy to pick up, but this kid seems to be taking to it like a duck in water. So that is promising news for the Giants and that passing game, which on which I think the team is going to depend a lot more on, more so than maybe the run game. All right, next up, let's talk running back Eric Gray. Now, the thing with young running backs is when they first get to the NFL, can they pass protect? Because if they can't pass block, they ain't getting on the field. It's that simple. You know, you don't want to have a guy on the field and he whiffs and, oh, my God, now the quarterback gets, you know, drilled into the ground. You don't want to have that. Eric Gray, though, I think has the um, the build and the skill set to do pass blocking. But more importantly, I think the expectations for him is giving Saquon Barkley, who will eventually show up, by the way. I, I don't know when, but he will show up. He will play this year. Um, giving Barkley some snaps in relief. You know, um, Eric Gray averaged 5.6 yards per carry. He also was a pretty good receiver out of the backfield, 8.4 yards per reception. So, you know, I know you're thinking, okay, well, they have Matt Breida in front of him. Well, that's Matt Breida is going to get his share of snaps, but I think if Eric Gray can show that he can pass protect, I would not be surprised if maybe Eric Gray starts to overtake Matt Breida for some of those snaps in relief of Saquon or some of those snaps that maybe will feature him and Saquon on the, on the field at the same time. You know, I mentioned pass pro. Um, Eric Gray allowed 11 pressures in 127 pass blocks and no sacks allowed in his last two seasons. So the kid, again, has shown that he can hold his own in pass protection, but the NFL level, of course, a much different animal. So we'll have to see how well he holds up in that regard. But Eric Gray, look, he, he can catch out of the backfield. He can run the ball. You've got that versatility, which, again, opens up a lot of possibilities if your offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka. So I think that's what the Giants are looking for in terms of contributions from Eric Grade. Oh, by the way, he can also play on special teams for them. Um, he was one of actually the kickoff return guys, you know, filled in the kickoff returns during OTA number five. I don't know if he's going to necessarily get that job. Um, still too early. And I know a lot of you, you know, are, you know, kind of cringe when I, when, when you hear who's, you know, back there fielding punts or kickoffs doesn't mean anything right now. It just means that they're practicing it because of the different spin of the ball. It doesn't mean that, you know, Eric Gray is going to be the kickoff returner or Adoree Jackson, the punt returners just practice right now. The real test and indication is going to come when we get to the preseason game. So don't get too, you know, worked up over that folks. All right. Coming up next, my one UDFA to make the list. Tell you about them next. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena. And I have one more player, one more uh, rookie, whom I'm going to speak about 
regarding what the potential expectations are for him in year one. Um, I also have a question that was submitted to me via the YouTube channel that I want to answer before I close out the show. But before I do that, um, just a reminder, we still have that um, open enrollment for our subtext community where you get an opportunity to receive exclusive text messages from yours truly. And um, it's also an opportunity for you to communicate with me directly. And, you know, so far we've been running this program now for a couple of weeks and I really like it because a lot of you who have signed up for it have taken advantage of texting me questions or just, you know, texting me your thoughts on stuff. And you know what? It gets in front of me. Um, unlike with email, which unfortunately, I don't know why this is, but sometimes when you email me, it lands in my spam message folder. And unless I go into my spam folder, which I do once a week, sometimes I miss questions and I feel bad about that. Um, I just, I don't know how to fix that. (laughs) Um, but, uh, certainly, you know, this, this is a way this text message community, um, is a way to, to avoid that. And right now you can try it out for free for 14 days. And if you like it, you can continue with our special two months for the price of one offer with the promo code PTRAIN. So basically the price per month is $4.99. But if you use that promo code, you get um, two months for the price of one. So it comes out to $2.50 per month. And trust me, folks, we're going to ramp that up once we get into summer training camp. So It's a good time to take advantage of that offer right now. And anytime you want to cancel, you can cancel and owe nothing. It's, it's, it's no obligation. You don't have to sign up, you know, for a full year or anything like that. Um, You come and go as you please. And in doing so, you're, you're also supporting the Lock on Giants podcast, which is always appreciated. So check it out. Details are in the show notes, along with the link, if you want to click to get more information or sign up. All right, so we have one more rookie that I want to talk about as far as expectation goes. And then I want to answer a question that was submitted to me on the YouTube comments section that I happened to catch, you know, when I was preparing the notes for today's show. So let's get into it. The rookie that I want to talk about is undrafted free agent Bryce Ford Wheaton. Now, this is a guy a lot of you have asked me about, you're like, what are you seeing from him? What's he showing? What are his chances of making the roster and so on and so forth? And I think that interest comes because Ford Wheaton was given over, I think it's like $230,000 guaranteed, which is a full year's or more than a full year's practice squad salary. So obviously a lot of you are like, okay, well, the Giants must have um, big expectations for him. And they do. So what can they potentially expect from Ford Wheaton if he makes the roster? And that receiver group, by the way, jam-packed. So who they're, who's, I think is going to make the roster, that's a, that's a topic for another show on another day. And we will do that show um, at some point. But let's assume, let's pretend for a moment that Ford Wheaton does make the roster. What would be the expectations? I would say they probably would like to see him have at least a 60% catch rate, right? For his college career, 57.9, I'm sorry, 57% in his college career. A big problem with Ford Wheaton has been drops, which has to be eliminated from his game. So 
He had 18 total in his career, six of which happened last year. Now, if Ford Wheaton can clean that up, the Giants just might indeed have something. And, you know, OTA number five, I saw the young man make a spectacular catch with a defender on him. I also saw him have a ball go right through his hands with no defender on him. So you just can't have that inconsistency because it could be maddening. Um, So I think that's something, obviously, the Giants are going to want to work with Ford Wheaton to clean up is those concentration drops or those misses or whatnot. And it looked to me like, you know, on, on the one that went through his hands, he was ready to turn up field and run with it before he secured it. And that reminds me of so many young receivers that have come through the doors. You know, they, they're so anxious to catch the ball, turn up field that they don't actually look the ball in, secure it, and then run up field. So, you know, that's, that's a common problem with young receivers. All right. The other thing that's very intriguing about Ford Wheaton is that he's got the size and the ability for contested catches. So in college, he had a 49.3% contested catch rate. That's not too bad. That's not too bad for, you know, for a receiver. Anything, you know, 50% and upwards, that's, that's pretty good. But, you know, with Ford Wheaton, I think the big appeal with him, besides, you know, the size and the skill set, is not only does he have the ability to make the contested catches, but the yards after the catch. So his... Over his career, he had 1,867 yards, 800 of which came after the catch. So in Ford Wheaton, you're basically getting a guy who can do it all potentially for you and who could also maybe, you know, has the speed to run some of those jet sweeps that the Giants sometimes like to run. So there's a lot to like about Ford Wheaton. I think, you know, if he makes the roster, obviously, you know, the yards after the catch are going to be an expectation. Cutting down on the drops, that's going to be an expectation. But this is a guy who could potentially give the Giants a lot of different options to, uh, you know, on, on offense. And he's definitely somebody, you know, to keep an eye on this summer. So we'll see how he how it plays out with him. But certainly an intriguing player. And uh, you can see why the Giants were so anxious to get him and make sure they keep him with, you know, the guaranteed money, um, you know, for the practice squad. So we'll see how that plays out. All right. Now I said that I had one question that was submitted to me um, on the YouTube channel that I wanted to answer. And I apologize to the person who asked it because I didn't write down the person's name. I just wrote down what the question was. So I apologize to that person, but I, I know, I think that person said he was an everyday or so I'm so sorry. I know that's not a great way to treat my everydayers, but um you know, I'll see if I can find the name and, you know, send you a message on the on the YouTube message boards. But anyway, the question was, can you explain the new kickoff rule and the significance to the Giants and the NFL for that matter? All right. So the new kickoff rule, as I understand it, is that a kickoff returner can signal for a fair catch anywhere inside of his 25 yard line. And that would automatically um, place the ball at the 25-yard line. So it's kind of like, you know, how last year, if a guy caught the ball, a kickoff in the end zone, and he kneeled, it was considered a touchback and the ball was spotted on the 25. Now it's like, okay, if you signal for a fair catch, 
anywhere between the goal line or, or the end zone rather and the 25 yard line, you're still going to get that benefit. I don't like the rule because it's like, how many kickoff returners, you know, do you stop? You know, there, there were times if you have a good coverage team and you could stop a guy inside your 25 or inside their 25, I should say, I just feel that, that it takes away from, you know, the game. And, you know, you just get the impression that more and more they're, they're going to try and eliminate kickoffs. Now this rule is only in place for one year. They're going to try it out, see how it works, but I, it's, it's not hard to see why special teams coordinators don't like it. And the players don't like it. Um, it's under the guise of player safety, but I'm sorry, you want to promote player safety, then get rid of the Thursday night games, get rid of, you know, the flex scheduling where you, where you have these guys at random. Oh, now all of a sudden you've got to play an extra game or you got to move games or that's where you want to get rid of, you know, if you're that serious about player safety. But of course, we all know that's not how the NFL works. So that is how I understand the um, the the new kickoff rule to work. And I asked at the OTA number three, I asked Brian Dable about that. I said, how does, you know, the new rules that, that were approved by the competition committee, how does that affect maybe how you plan or how you, you know, what you look for in players? And Dable kind of gave me a, you know, a generic answer saying that, look, we have to understand it first before we could teach it. So that's a question I'm going to raise to Thomas McGahee, the special teams coordinator, because, you know, I think that's a, a better question for him. I have a feeling TMAC doesn't like the rule either. I don't know a lot of people who do. So um, that's the rule as I understand it. And I believe it was taken from the college ranks. So it just, it just cuts down on strategy. I mean, kickoff returns can basically flip the field. And now, you know, you can put anybody back there. I mean, I could go back there and call for fair catches all the time and not have to worry about getting nailed. But, you know, if, if you have a fast person back there, it just, I don't know, it just takes away from the game and the skies of player safety, you know, look, I'm all for player safety, but I just think that, you know, they're approaching it from angles that maybe they should look at other angles if they want to improve player safety. So that's my take on it. That's the explanation as I understand it. We'll see how it does this year. Again, it's on a one-year trial. Um, Hopefully it doesn't pass and come back next year because I just don't like it. And I know a lot of people who don't like it. So, all right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Giants podcast. Again, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Tune in next week. Again, I'm going to have a rundown on year two players and their expectations. And then I'm going to do another show on year three players, year three plus players and their expectations. We've got OTA number uh, nine coming up next week on Thursday. So we'll have a show on that and we'll see what else pops in, you know, into the radar. So plenty more to come here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody, and we'll see you again on Monday.